All right, folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that sound because it's time for another Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'm your host, Jim Reed, and I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and of course, Website Amp. So thanks for joining us, Rec Poker Nation. Once again, I'm Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home game. And because I'm a member of the Wrecking Crew, like some of these fine folks here, you can find out more about me by going to rec.poker slash Jim. And I have the best job in the world, so every week I'm joined by this panel of amazing Rec Poker Wizards to talk about poker strategy. Wizards, introduce yourself and tell Rec Poker Nation where they can meet you. Uh, I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5 by 5 on Poker Stars and Twitter. And I'm John Somsky, although I don't know that I'm a wizard, but I'm Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Kim Kilroy. I'm Pet Fat on Rec Poker, and I'm Fergie56 on the home game. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Ravman50 everywhere. Thanks, gang, for coming along. Uh, just like every week, we play in the nightly Rec Poker Play Money home game on Poker Stars, battling it out, trying to steal each other's chips in pursuit of the one and only Rec Poker pin. And just like every night, we are going to take a forum post from the Rec Poker forums and talk about it here in our community. So this week, we're looking at a post by Chapo, our friend uh, Troy Chapman from Australia, who was on the show recently. And the name of this post is How Light is Too Light to ISO Here? So I'll just introduce the hand. Um, we've got a couple familiar faces involved. Uh, the one and only Rob Washam starts the hand with about 3.9 big blinds under the gun and decides that this is it. The line in the sand, he puts all of those chips in the middle and it folds all the way around to our hero. You're the villain this time, Rob. Um, our yes. hero, Chapo, in the small blind who has, uh, I think we said something like 20 big blinds or something like that. And Chapo is sitting here with the best hand in poker, according to some, pocket fives. So I want to talk a little bit about Rob's position under the gun with a small chip stack and the kind of hands that he might choose to shove with here. And then I want to talk about Chapo's position in the small blind with an opportunity to isolate or to just come along and what kind of hands they might uh, choose to do that with. So, Rob, take me through your, your position here. You're under the gun. You're down to a little less than four big blinds. Um, what, what are you looking for here? What's, what, what's your thought well, process? You know, we, we did a book study on the short stack ninja, and, and normally in this situation, you're looking for a spot where um, somebody that knows what they're doing is going to raise to like two big blinds and hope that you can come in and re-raise all in after somebody calls the two big blinds. So now you've got this, you're building up a pot. And so then I would go all in, which would op reopen the betting, which would allow the original raiser to isolate. That's the kind of situation you're probably looking for when you've got five or less big blinds. But problem I had is I'm under the gun, so I, I can't, that scenario cannot play out. Um, I got the blinds coming up, which will give me few, uh, too few big blinds after I go through the blinds to make that move happen. So now I'm just in an all-in or hold scenario. So probably any suited connectors above six, seven, eight, nine, nine, ten, those types of hands, maybe even suited gappers, 10, eight, jack, nine, those types of hands are going to be in my range. Any two broadways are going to be in my range. 
uh, almost any ace. Most kings are going to be in my range. So I'm going to be opening very wide here just because I don't have any options left to me. Are you, uh, I mean, I understand the suited kings, suited queens, that sort of thing, but are you doing the unsuited on those? I'm uh, down to what? Probably on kings, probably down to king nine, unsuited. Um, probably queens to queen 10, unsuited. Um, okay. I'm, yeah, those are definitely in my range. Um, king, and most, like I say, most of the broadways are going to be there, so... Jack 10 unsuited is still going to be in that range. You know, any queen 10 or better, any king 10 or better. And I'd actually go to king nine um, unsuited in this case. Hmm. And it's, it's interesting because the, it's not like you're trying to have a hand that's going to be ahead when you're called in this spot. You just want to have a hand that's going to have decent equity um, because you're, you're likely going to get called uh, by at least one person here. So yep. uh, it's it's not one of those. It's a, it, your your goal for the hand is a little different than it might be uh, in other circumstances. And our friend uh, Fareed Jatton would say the cost of confrontation is very low here uh, right. when you have less than four big blinds. So it's a good time to uh, realize that equity, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I love that. So as it happens, it folds all the way around to uh, our hero Chapo in the small blind. He's looking down at uh, five five. So. In some circumstances, you know, some people that aren't Chris Jones like to play 5-5 as like a set mining opportunity where they're going to like wait for it to improve before they put a bunch of money in the middle. I know, Chris, that's not me your too. style. Me too. I, I don't, don't sell me short. I, I like to play these as set mining. Uh, but this is obviously not the place for set mining. The, the stacks, Rob doesn't have anything else behind. Um, even Chapo doesn't have enough big blinds to really be set mining here, even if it was a call in position. How many big blinds does he have? Uh, less than it's just 20, I think, around yeah. 20. Okay. Um, well, 23, I think. 20, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. 22, 23, yeah, something yeah. like that. Okay. And um, so, so Chapo has the opportunity to call here or to isolate, and the player to uh, their left, who's the only player left in the hand in the big blind, has some chips. I'm not sure if they have. I'm not sure. They have who, 20. They have okay. So so it's a real decision for Chapo then. They they have to like this person is matching their stack. It's not like it's just they have a good reshove stack if he just yeah. calls. Yeah. yeah. So put yourself, panel, put yourself in Chapo's shoes here. I mean, A, what do you do with five five? But then B, what is the what are the kind of hands that we want to have here when we're considering isolating, and what are the what are the kind of hands we might want to have here if we're considering calling? Oh, uh, what would you do if it had folded to you in the small blind? Mm. Take that under the gun player out of the action for a minute, and then decide what you would do if it folded to you here. I love and, that. And then. When we and we can just think there's a bunch of dead money in the pot, but don't like. I mean, that's added spice to it. But what would you be doing if this had folded to you in the small blind? Hmm. So there's that as well. I mean, I like that idea because it's true that that the only stack that can really hurt you is yet to act here. So in a way, Rob's holdings are kind of trivial, to be honest. Um, to the conversation 
because you're 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 going to be getting the right price to continue in some way with such a wide range of hands that it really is that player in the big blind that you should be strategizing around here. I think that's a really good point, Kim. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and with, with yeah. 23 big blinds, I guess somebody with 20 big blinds, I think I would use the, I would use the strength of the fact that you're blinded against blind and you're going to act first to I guess I wouldn't even try to isolate. I'd probably raise if if there was no other action that folded to me. I would probably raise to three and a half to four big blinds in that spot. And generally, what you're going to find is the big blind is going to fold more often than not. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't fold, at least you've got a pocket pair. And as everybody knows, it's hard to make a pair. I would sometimes look at this player to my left and decide what type of a player it was. And then if I thought it was a fairly aggressive player, I would limp and jam over a raise with this kind of a holding. And uh, if it was a very passive player, I would probably raise or jam with it. Yep, I agree with that. And I, I like the limp, I like the limp against the, you know, a stronger player and then the, um, uh, the jamming against probably a weaker, more passive player. Um, but because we have Rob, it's taken away that sort of that limp option from us. Um, cause I think your question's a good one. How would we play this if it just folded to us? And I think, um, it, knowing nothing about the opponent to my left, if I didn't know anything, I would be limping this in most cases, uh, with a plan to potentially jam over a raise from the, um, from the big blind. But I like, um, but once Rob puts in four big blinds, we really, that, the option of taking the sort of like sort of low confrontation option is kind of off the table at this point. So I think we just, we really have to jam this um, once, once we get, once we're in this specific spot. I agree. I agree. I think that's good. Mm. How would What's things the- change if you had the actual best hand in poker <laughs> versus what just some people feel is the best hand in poker. So let's say you're sitting in ace. I, I do. You're right. I do like the red fives better. I was going to say it's a color <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, so in that case, and I'm kind of asking, cause I'm wondering if this is a mistake in that case, if Rob were to have, shoved i would almost always call with aces there because i want to get more more of my implied equity and i'm and and aces is going to play well against one other live player Mm. i'm not really all that worried about losing what's in the pot right now i want the opportunity to win more whereas with pi fives i'm much more likely to shove because that doesn't play as well multi-way go ahead yeah i like i really like that that point. And I think when you have are sitting there with 23 big blinds, we're going to get aces in no matter what comes right. anyway. So we're not really worried about the flop. Yep. Yeah, I'm, just... I'm, I'm I like I'm flatting and I don't care if this is sort of exploitable. I, I'm flatting with aces and kings in this spot. Um, maybe queens. Maybe queens. But I actually kind of like shoving queens. I like shoving queens um, because I think somebody can call me with some, you know, some spots here with a flat that, uh, that, that and I want to, I want 
my range when I'm shoving to have some strength in it. So, mm. and I, but if I can remove aces and kings, it's still a tough shove to play against for you, for you as, as the villain in the big barn. Even when I tell you, I don't have aces or kings. Good luck. Um, it's still, you're, you're, you've got a tough choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now. So the, so there's the trappy call with aces and kings. Is there any part of our range that we would call uh no i'm trying to think about a way that we could actually have a part of our range that was a good call <laughs> i don't i think it's all going to be played better as a shove or a fold here right yeah. or is there a, is there a, is there a three bet sizing no it's the stacks are too small there's there's really only two decisions here isn't there for most of our hands i think so i think so and i think you know what about things like nine ten suited Eight, mm-hmm. nine suited. That's what I was Those gonna are say. normally going to, you're going to do something with those when it folds to you in the small blind. But against the under the gun shove and a big blind act behind you, I'm not even comfortable just calling here. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just fold these hands. Yeah, yeah you want to look for hands that might play well multi-way, you know, if, if you're willing to let the big blind come along. And the stacks are so short that that's really not that kind of, that's that those options are kind of taken away from you, right? Yeah. In our training, we in our Fareed training, we talked about that. When you get this short, a lot of those options are taken away from you. You don't mm-hmm. really play those types of hands. Yeah, and it's another one of those spots where you're also going to be out of position. Like, it's just your, it's not a great spot to invest in. Uh, you're better off just making the shove, keeping that, keeping that range uh, a little harder to exploit. And I think this is maybe one of the spots where, where we don't have to be balanced. And if we do have to be balanced, if we have like a world-class player on our left here, then I think we probably have to just shove our aces and kings. Because mm. it's, it's I, I am not going to try to construct a balanced, like, oh, I'm going to also flat, you know, jack 10 suited or something <laughs> here. And just, because I just think I'm going to put myself in, in a world of hurt. Um, and so, but, but I do think that you can find players who don't see that flat as really strong. They really should. If you're listening to this, you see somebody flat on this kind of board, you should see that flat as very, very strong for the most part. But there, you know, there are players who, who won't play, who, you know, in their defense, there are players who don't play that way. Like they'll flat here on this board in the small blind with sevens or something. that's the hand i was gonna say yeah, yeah exactly and sevens like, that's i think a disaster um but don't I think do you, it but i think you'll find players who will do that because well this isn't quite good enough to shove and da, da, da. so i i think i think you'll you, and but i think you can use that to your advantage when you have aces or kings because i think it really encourages the big blind to to shove over the top mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and where's Let's talk about the one time where we would just flat. Yeah. We would just flat when? Well, in this case, we're talking about with aces or kings. Oh, you're, <laughs> I know what you're when saying. We would Kim. just flat with fives. Right, right on the bubble, right when it's right uh, on the bubble of the satellite <laughs> yeah. where there's a number of seats to be won and That's only right. one player has to get knocked out. Great point, yep. Kim. Yep. 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 Where that cost of confrontation uh, changes and, and, yeah. Well, you don't care whether you win the hand. You just want right. that player right. knocked out, right? 
Right. And by by implicit collusion. You yeah, you call it. You, it's sort of collusion, sort of not. But you're checking it down too. You're just uh, let's just get to a river and see who wins. That is the other that's the other part of that is that typically what's going to happen is that the big blind is also going to call. It's going to go check, 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 check. And what everyone's hoping is going to happen is that the short stack busts and then um, no one else had to even get involved. That's that's a great point. One of those ICM moments where that that exploitative play. Yeah, I've seen that play out many times in some of the tournaments that I've been in. Um, When you get down towards the bubble, uh, you got a short stack and two or three people call the short stack and everybody's just, nobody bets at the pot. And then when somebody bets at the pot, everybody looks at him like, what yeah. is your yeah, what problem? Is <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, it better, you better be like five, five, ten on the flop, right? And you're like, yeah. well, I got quads. I have to bet. I have to bet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and there is a difference too with um, a lot of players will look at you like that at any point in the tournament. Like before you've hit the money <laughs> bubble, uh, there is really not much value in knocking someone out. Right. So you want to do whatever is going to maximize the value in your stack. You don't care whether other people are staying in, whether the chips are in player A's or player B's hand, they all need to come to you in the end. So it makes no difference when you're laddering. And when there are ICM implications, this is where you can start to make some adjustments. Yep, that makes sense to me. All right, let's see if our friend Jonathan Little has any insights to lend on this particular subject. Here's Perked. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at pokercoaching.com slash recpoker right now. But before you do, let's just finish talking about this hand here. So there's some great comments in the forum itself. Uh, Steve Fredland uh, talks about uh, how wide Rob's range has to be here. And uh, he also talks about um, flatting with some queens, kings, and aces. And then Chris, he, uh, uh, Steve even does mention balancing that flatting range with some of these uh, suited connectors, um, suited Broadway, uh, that kind of stuff. So that's interesting. Um, Taylor Moss has a <laughs> animated GIF, GIF, I still don't know, uh, making fun of your pocket fives. And of course, uh, Chapo and Rob and a couple other uh, folks putting some excellent notes here. Let's uh, let's just stop for a second though and point out that Taylor Moss also has a very important quote in his in his own words. Uh, he said he he's almost can't even bring himself to describe the hand, but he says, "Given your holding, let me say <laughs> the hand." He's I like the shove. <laughs> Given your holding, but let's just let's just uh, reflect a moment that. Uh, <laughs> Not must have burned. Trash hand that he says in the white piece. <laughs> must have burned. Must have burned. Well, down. no, it's the same thing. You know, you'd, if you were going to play seven deuce, you'd shove with that too because <laughs> you don't want anyone to call. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, God. That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, let me see. Any other thoughts on this spot here or 
well, things that might things that might make it different or that might change the dynamic? Is there a is there a chip stack that Chapo has that drastically changes the, his ranges there? If he's much deeper or much shallower, or what other okay. dynamic? I think what it's more what the big blind has in his. Yeah, stack. good point. Right. Good point. That's a good point. Stack. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah, it's interesting. Or, I, I think, or yeah, what Rob's shoving too. If Rob, I mean, if Rob, if this gets a little bit more, if Rob's a little healthier, yeah, this becomes a much more difficult mm-hmm. decision. Twelve yeah. to fifteen big blinds. Yeah, um, it might be a little different dynamic. Yeah, and and so I guess to tie a bow around the whole thing, Rob, earlier in that orbit or in the previous orbit, was there like an opportunity that you could have shoved a bigger stack, even with a worse holding i think i probably did and i think i got cooler and that's ah, why I was that's how you spot. ended up with four yeah that yeah. makes sense yep yep that makes sense because yeah because otherwise you wouldn't for, for precisely this reason you wouldn't want to get into that spot where you're under right. the gun with four four big blinds and and facing the blinds yep but yeah, yeah you can't took, help it i took a big hit i'm sure i took a big hit and i was sitting there oh man now yep. what do i do i have no weapons at all right. i have no fold equity at all what do i do <laughs> so one other question i have in terms of like wrapping or tying this up with a bow is uh so we're we're all saying we'd shove with fives what's the what's the worst hand mm. we'd shove with here deuces are we shoving with deuces um what what is the what is the bottom of this mm. i mean don't tell chris but I was a big Jimmy Key fan growing up, so 22 is actually my favorite number. So pocket twos kind of does have a warm spot in my heart, but um, that does I don't let that affect me in my decision-making at the table, Chris. It affect me either. I just like the hand. I fold it all the time. People would be shocked if they could see me play, actually. Like, they would just be appalled. Unless it was on Marek Madness. Fold the pocket fives. But oh, anyway. man. Crown feather in your cap there. So, yeah, good good question, though. What What is the worst hand that we're shoving here? In this in this spot. So, 20 big blinds uh, with, uh, with someone to our left. Any pair? Any ace? Not not yeah. the worst offsuit aces. Where are we drawing the line there? Well, we talked. What Kim mentioned earlier about what would we, if it had folded all the way around to us, what? Mm. And I think uh, any pocket pair is a pair that I would probably um, raise to try to you know either get the guy to fold or to call light or whatever. But I would probably raise any pocket pair. So twos is probably in that range. And a lot of times I'll do that with holdings like king seven and if i got a big if i got a big broadway card i'm gonna you know attack that big blind especially at a deeper stack depth normally but mm. even at this step that i might try to attack the big blind because i have him covered so uh, he has to be worried about me he has to be worried about me taking him out as well so i, like, I think go ahead i like all of those for a racing range, except for the small pairs. And I prefer a limp and a jam on the small pairs. Just. From, from an unopened small blind, you mean? Or? Yes, from an yeah, unopened yeah, yeah. small blind. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yep. And I, I'm with Rob. I like those uh, king blockers in an opening mm-hmm. range in spots like mm-hmm. that. You're not, you're not playing it to get a straight or a flush uh, post-flop. Most of what you're doing it for is to get those folds pre 
right. that doesn't work. Still, still so the blind. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an error. That's a problem that we, we won't get too far into it. That's a problem some people have is they make this open with a hand like King seven offsuit and then they get to the flop and they think, okay, well now I got to continue with this because I'm like repping this strong range. And that's just not true. Sometimes the tool just didn't do what it was supposed to do. And you can just leave it there. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk briefly about open sizing mm. for the small blind. If it falls to you in the small blind, when with these stack sizes, what do you think is a, um, a good open raise sizing? Now, I do like to open bigger from the small blind than I do from late position just to make it less attractive for the big blind to come along. But mm -hmm. when I've got like 20 big blinds myself, um, I don't, I'm not going to open it as big as I would ordinarily. So I'm probably min opening from the two button. and a half. Two yeah. And so half it would be like two and a half or two or three quarters from the small blind in that spot. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe even three. Maybe I, even I'd three. go three. Yeah. Three. I go three because my normal open on the button would be two. Yeah. So I go three from the small blind just because I'm out of position and it's a little more powerful, going to get more folds. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What, any yeah. other any other sizing ideas there or? Not like that. And is and for me, it's entirely related to the effective stack at that mm -hmm. point. That's the only thing I set my sizing off is uh, the effective stack. In that position, when when you're in a full ring table, there's other things you can you can consider. But for me, it's really just the stack. Oh, your, your audio's checking oh. out here. Yeah, I you know, know what that's that means. You. That's you. Uh, yeah. That means it's time to get the heck out of here. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Stu for sticking around in the chat. Thanks to Website Amp, uh, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. Kim, Rob, John, Chris, everybody at Rec Poker Nation, thank you so much. We will see you again next week. Bye.